I'm your host, Fraser Bailey, and welcome to the VegUp Podcast, where we talk mindset, psychology, plant-based nutrition, lifestyle, and big dreams. So if you want to get your head in the game, level up, and become the best version of you, listen in. Let's go. ADHD, what you need to know and how this episode could change your life. And even if you don't have an ADHD diagnosis, why this episode is still fundamentally important for you to listen to, because I guarantee you that many of the things that I'm going to share in this will relate to you, your ability to concentrate and think and maximize your thought processes, which create ROIs in all areas of your life. So this is not just pertaining to you to if you have some type of ADHD or cognitive learning disability, this will relate to you regardless, but especially for people with ADHD and learning disabilities. Let's dive into this guys, I want to share with you quickly a little bit of my backstory briefly just to preface this discussion. So you you know where I'm coming from. And you know, essentially what I'm talking about. And so in my own journey, at 37 years old now, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was about 12 years old. And from the age of about 12 through to 22, I was on a raft of medications. I was on Ritalin for that time, 50 to 100 milligrams from memory. So it's quite a, quite a heavy dose. And I was also diagnosed with bipolar disorder and severe social anxiety. So I was on benzodiazepines, you know, you could call it clonopin um, for, for that and lithium carbonate for bipolar disorder. So I was on a, a range of things all at once, but the ADHD was really one of the first things. And I had a lot of trouble concentrating and succeeding when I was in school. And so I was one of those kids who would be early on initially getting A's and B's for effort, but then I was getting D's and C's for achievement. And so I felt stupid, quite frankly, because you've got to ask yourself, okay, you're putting in all this effort but you're not seeing any yield for that effort. What's the point? And so what happened was that took a real hit to my confidence because back then I didn't know anything about biology or neurology or health or fitness or anything like that. The internet was in its infancy. And so I couldn't just jump onto YouTube and watch other people's experiences with these challenges and these medications and, and things I couldn't learn from a global audience. And I just had to have faith that my, my psychiatrist, these experts were guiding me down the right paths for me. And so I really struggled and I went through these medications and I tested different things with these medications with the doctors. And I never found that for me personally, nothing really ever truly helped. I will say that the medications had somewhat of a stimulant effect. And I think, and from my experience, and I could probably say this is an observation about other people that that stimulant effect is what people feel and think is actually quote-unquote working so not to say that that's the case for everyone but I do think that stimulant effect is what creates the person's ability to generate quote-unquote energy and so they they assume that it's working I'm not here to tell you 
that medications or you choosing to medicate is the wrong choice. I'm just here to share with you my journey, this notion of solving problems in the right order, which I don't think most people do. So I want to touch on this as well. And also, I want to give you some more unorthodox perspectives on what I think could be some of the contributing factors towards these challenges because you hear a lot of the stuff in the mainstream circles around adhd and add being these genetic things and these brain abnormalities and they do brain scans and they see there's restricted blood flow to certain areas and there's this issue with the, the dopamine system in people's brains and all this stuff that can feel very out of your control it can feel very hardwired into your psyche and i'm here to tell you and i'm not saying that that's not part of the equation. But what I am saying is from my own experience, I truly feel like being medication free now, by the way, for over 10 years. So I haven't been on any of these medications that I mentioned previously for over 10 years. And I truly feel like I was able to rewire literally my brain, the neurons, the way I think. And the thing to realize, guys, is that your brain is very plastic. So there's this concept called neuroplasticity, meaning that what, what you focus on essentially expands. Neurons fire and wire together. So if you repeat certain processes often enough, you will heart rewire and, and then hardwire your brain in certain areas to make changes. That's the beautiful concept I want to share here with you is that if you get this diagnosis or you get this diagnosis for your children, this is by no means some type of life sentence or something that you need to fret or panic about. I would argue that there's many things you can do to solve the problem in the right order first to make sure that it's not actually a misdiagnosis, which and I would I, I personally think in many cases it's probably a misdiagnosis and I'm going to touch on that. And then the second thing is... I'm a product, I'm an example of how you can turn it into a weapon. I would argue now my ability to concentrate and get into flow states and perform at a high level is way more than the average person. I can get more done in a three to four hour work block in my day than most people get done in 10 hours. I've seen how most people operate. It's, it's very sluggish, it's very slow. And the thing is they don't realize how much they're underperforming because they're a fish in water. They have no yardstick. To, to measure against because they literally don't know what is outside the fishbowl. So they cannot see, they can't read the label from the inside basically. And so let's dive into this. So this is my story. Obviously, like I mentioned to you, being heavily medicated for 10 years and, and then off medications now for over 10 years and my journey and, and my observations and how I've been able to maximize my potential, what I look for when I'm helping other people maximize this through dietary nutrition and lifestyle modification, and just my perspectives on things. Obviously, like I said, there's going to be more to this than what I cover, but I want to give you some different perspectives and not just your typical stuff about brain scans and the other things. I want to give you some things that you can actually feel, touch, and control and change. So, I think the first thing to understand, guys, is when you're looking at things like Ritalin, Adderall, Vyvanse, those types of things, you've got to understand what are these what are these chemicals in the first place. Now, just to put it as, as simple as possible, uh, and Dr. Andrew Huberman talks about this in his Huberman Lab podcast, by the way, which I find very useful. He definitely dives into more of the the the, the data driven stuff. Um, so that and that could be complementary to this in many ways. Uh, so what he mentioned and, and i and i've already known this is that structurally 
these medications are almost identical to cocaine and speed. So there's there's a couple of different structural variations with them, but it just to just to put that out there to you to understand this interesting concept of how cocaine and speed these things that are highly highly addictive and exert very strong dopaminergic uh, responses in your brain structurally are very similar to what we see with Ritalin and Adderall and it's interesting how it exerts itself on the dopamine system in your brain to to basically fulfill this dopamine requirement which they believe in part could be part of the reason why people have this inability to concentrate. So this dopamine, this do, dopamine issue, this low dopamine system in your brain. So part of, and I want to cover this first because I do think it's just the obvious one, the one of the obvious things that when I was younger, ADHD was, was far less common. I mean, I didn't know anyone at the time that was diagnosed like me. That's how uncommon it was. It seems like every third person now has this diagnosis. What is one part of this factor? I think one part, at the very least, it would be foolish to not observe and say that it's definitely probably to do with social media and attention spans around these Instagram reels and TikTok reels and these short 10, 15, 30 second videos that everyone is exposing themselves to. Think about this. You're unknowingly training your mind to just focus for 15 seconds and then stop and then go to another thing and it focuses for 30 seconds and then it stops. And so remember what I said, neurons that fire together, wire together. So if you're training your brain to focus on something for 15 seconds and then the subject or the 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 video completely changes subject to the next thing that is literally training your mind to focus in these short burst attention spans and so i especially think that young children teenagers as their brain is growing and changing they are particularly vulnerable to this and so i i do think that social media and these this constant bombardment of gratification pull the scroll down with the news feed and you get this sort of algorithm pushed news feed with these videos and things. This is definitely, I think, playing a role in exacerbating people's ability to focus. I've seen firsthand how much more disruptive or I guess uh, presenting misbehavior our daughter Zia, who's three and a half, is when she watches cartoons or too many TV shows. We literally allow her to watch 30 minutes of a show that is more educational per day and that's it 30 minutes guys i know that doesn't sound like a lot to some of you but i've seen firsthand and my wife too have seen how her behavior dramatically like degrades when she watches more stuff on tv so i think that coupled with social media for kids and for as adults if we did that as children that really sets up your neurobiology to function in this way. But remember what I said, the beauty is your brain is very plastic. So if you know this and you recognize this, you can train it back to a place where it does the opposite to this. Now, one of the things that I want to make very clear, again, is that you need to solve problems in the right order. Now, what does this mean? It basically means that usually what will happen is if someone has uh, challenges concentrating, or their children have challenges concentrating, the first thing they'll do is they'll go to the doctor and they'll say, hey doc, um, you know, I, I can't concentrate. I've heard this thing about ADD or ADHD. 
I think that I might have it. The doctor might ask you a few subjective questions. And based on this little snippet of information that they you give them, they then conclude, okay, this person can't concentrate. They're, they're, they're presenting sim- uh, you know, symptoms of anxiety and this inability to focus and the brain fog. Let's give them some medications. That guy's are solving problems out of, out of order. You're basically going from step one to step 10. You're skipping steps two through eight, which could dramatically improve your outcomes. And you may not never need the medication in the first place. You might not even have the ADHD diagnosis like you think. I would not be surprised if there is a huge number of misdiagnoses in this world just based on the subjective criteria. And so what I mean is solve problems in the right order. So what does that look like? The first thing that you need to understand is that there's different pillars in your life that will be contributing to the way you concentrate and perform and show up mentally and and, in all areas. One part of it is nutritional. One part of it is how you train and move your body. Another part is how you sleep. And then obviously sun exposure and just your environment in general. All the things that I talk about in all these podcasts to start with. Now, if you haven't truly dialed your diet in where you're doing a whole food plant-based diet and it's curated uniquely to you and you've removed the processed foods and the processed sugar and the processed seed oils and the packaged crap and all this stuff and you're consuming alcohol and you're loading up on too many espressos and caffeine and your sleep-wake cycles are not good, you're staying up really late watching stuff all the time, guys, you are going to set yourself up for ADD and ADHD-like symptoms, and you may not even have it. You will have so much brain inflammation that you your ability to think will be dramatically impaired, and you will think that you have ADHD, and you will think that, oh, this must be some genetic thing. You know, I, I know one of my family members had it, but your diet and your lifestyle and the way you move your body is terrible. And because of that, you're presenting these symptoms that are actually lifestyle related. And so another example, a common one is, you know, people who might get, uh, you know, hormone replacement therapy and they'll go to the doctor, you know, if the guy in a for- the guy's in his 40s or 50s or whatever, go to the doctor and their testosterone is low. And rather than improving their diet, reducing alcohol, optimizing sleep, optimizing how they train, reducing stress factors in their body and improving recovery protocols and all these things that I teach, they go straight to the hormone replacement therapy. Now, all that does is it, it's a Band-Aid on the bullet wound. It doesn't actually address the root cause of why those things were not good to start with. And so you're still going to be eating the bad foods. You're still going to be consuming the alcohol. You're still going to be staying up late and affecting your circadian timing, which is going to affect all kinds of variables in your body. That stuff's not going to go away. Sure, you might have better testosterone values, but you're still going to have inflammation circulating through your body and many other areas and so it's like it's it's hiding what is actually going on and so this is the same thing of just jumping from steps one through ten and going straight to step ten with a medication but the diet's still terrible and you're not moving your body and training and you're not doing all these other things that you could exhaust first and you might be saying oh Fraser you know I get this I've tried these things well have you actually Because in my experience, when I've seen people tell me what they quote unquote tried, it was still crap. It was still not good. It still was definitely not needle moving changes in their life that would actually result in positive outcomes. They might have tried to dabble with a healthier diet for a month and their version of healthy diet wasn't even healthy. And so you don't really know 
what you're looking for sometimes. That again is why getting coaching and mentoring can be so valuable because it can illuminate and shine light on all the blind spots and areas that you literally don't have knowledge around. And so solve problems in the right order. Now, you might be someone who's already on these medications and you're like, well, that's great. I didn't know any of this till now. Don't beat yourself up. Recognize that you can start improving these other variables now, today. You can improve your diet. Like all these episodes I talk about with nutrient rotation and eating whole foods and training and moving your body and sleep optimization and all these different things and gut health. If you start optimizing these things now, you could potentially then taper your medication dose down over time and wean yourself off it completely. Which brings me to the point is that with your psychiatrist's guidance, communicate to them if you want to do this. And I would highly, highly encourage you that you don't, one, you communicate with them and express why. And two, don't just remove it completely from your system. That's not a good idea. What I would encourage you guys to do is with their guidance, taper the dose down over time while introducing more of these pillars that are in my podcast and more things that I'll talk about in this episode. And then that way, it's like a transitioning tool. You're not just stripping out that chemical out of your brain completely and causing sort of a a system crash, a loop crash, where you have these loops in your body, like your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis or your HPA axis. These neuroendocrine axes in your brain and in your body will literally change uh, different chemical responses in your body based on stress, based on all kinds of mechanisms. And so if you remove something abruptly, that system is going to have dysregulation. So I'm just saying you do want to taper things down and introduce the good things to kind of jumpstart systems so you don't have that system crash, so to speak. One thing that I want to tell you guys straight out of the gate when it comes to psychiatrists and experts is that if they don't ask you about your diet and lifestyle, And, you know, if they don't ask you if you're working out, if they don't ask you about your sleep, if they don't ask you about your diet and your health and and, and, and these types of things, granted, they're not experts in these fields, but they should have some knowledge about these things. If they don't ask you these things and they just go through a list of symptoms that you're experiencing and then they give you a medication for that, that's a huge red flag to me because they're ignoring these huge variables that could be contributing to the, the symptoms that you're having. And so by not even addressing these things, they're not even solving problems in the right order. This is the hard part that you face, guys, is that some experts don't even solve problems in the right order. And so you have to be aware that not all experts are created equal. That's the same with nutritionists. It's the same with dietitians. It's the same with personal trainers. Some of them are complete shit. And some of them are highly, highly skillful. It's the same with psychiatrists and other experts. So just remember that and realize that. One of the things... So like I mentioned to you guys, one of the unorthodox or I guess more uncommonly put forward views that I think is a huge contributing factor when it comes to why people experience these issues is I think personally it's insulin resistance. So unstable blood glucose levels. If you go and get your blood work done and your blood glucose levels are over 100 or your your A1C levels are above the, the normal end of the range. I guarantee you that you're not performing optimally. If your fasting glucose levels are not around 80 and your A1C levels are not in, in, in the, the four, the upper four region, then you're probably not performing optimally because what's happening, think about this. And what 
insulin resistance and unstable blood glucose is reflective of is diet and stress and just your lifestyle. And so usually the things that will exacerbate these things more are going to be processed foods, sugars, processed oils, packaged foods, junk food, fast food, chips, candy, uh, chocolate, you know, crappy chocolate anyway. These types of things are going to exacerbate insulin resistance and unstable blood glucose levels. And you've got to realize that that stuff is dietary related. You know, processed cereals, a lot of the kids' cereals now have marshmallows in them. They're covered in sugar. Again, that stuff is going to exacerbate ADHD-like symptoms, these behavioral issues that we, we are witnessing. And so one part of it is recognizing that your diet is a huge factor in this. That's why I talk about eating a whole food plant-based diet, adding in different colored vegetables. Lots of fibrous vegetables will help slow down the absorption of sugar into your system. Because basically what happens, guys, is that you eat food. Let's say you eat a candy bar. That bar enters your system, your body breaks it down into glucose. Because it is such a high glycemic index carbohydrate paired with fat, what it does is it spikes up your blood glucose very aggressively. It goes up, 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 up your body releases insulin from its pancreas to try and control that spike. The more insulin that gets released, eventually you become insulin resistant. So if you create lots of these big spikes up and down, your body's constantly releasing insulin. That constant release of insulin eventually creates a resistance. Your body doesn't respond as well to the insulin release. And so your blood glucose stays elevated. When it goes up like that, Eventually, it comes crashing down and it goes below baseline. The, these spikes and these troughs that you experience are literally what give people brain fog. Think about this. When you've ever had a really big meal after Thanksgiving or you had a humongous meal or a bunch of sugar, what happens? Very often, you get sleepy. You get brain fog. You get irritable. Those things are literally byproducts of blood glucose instability. And so I would argue that most people, their diet's terrible. They don't even know it. Most people don't know what a good diet looks like. Most people's children have bad diets. They're eating a lot of processed foods, Cheerios, processed cereals, lots of sugar, sugar in their lunchbox at school. So they're getting ADHD like symptoms when they're in the classroom. And then the teacher says they've got ADHD, but they just ate a bunch of processed crap for, for their lunch. You've got to recognize, guys, that this is a huge driving factor. I'll give you an example. Our daughter Zia, she eats a very, very clean diet just because of what we know. Now, one time a year ago, we were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and there's a Ben and Jerry's store down the main strip of Gatlinburg. And they have some vegan ice cream options there. She only had one little scoop and she was literally bouncing off the walls. It was unbelievable, guys. Like it was very obvious to us because normally she's never, never like that. And I think most people's kids, and, and you are probably like this, and you don't even realize it. So children will bounce off the walls. They'll be very disruptive. Adults just kind of like get distracted and they just can't focus and they're just unproductive human beings. And so you don't even, like I said, you're a fish in water. You literally don't even know how much you're underperforming till you clean your diet up and remove all these processed things. So one of the things that I say to people is, Shop the produce section and the perimeter of the store. Think about this. All the healthy foods, when you walk into a supermarket, typically the produce section, and there's like usually a bulk bin section where they have the dry legumes, chickpeas, lentils, nuts, seeds, grains, those types of things. The bulk bin section and the produce section where they've got all the fruits and vegetables and those types of things, 
that's really all you need for a whole food plant-based diet. Everything else down the aisles should be left to a minimum. So just as a litmus test, how much of your shopping is in those areas and how much is in the aisles? If most of your shopping is done in the aisles, your diet's probably conducive with having really unstable blood glucose levels and therefore a lot of brain fog and behavioral challenges. So just realize that, guys, out of the gate. Other things that can help with insulin resistance or optimizing insulin sensitivity is fasting. So whether you do a 16-hour fast every day and you don't eat till lunchtime or one, one day a week you do a 24-hour fast, if you're eating from dusk till dawn, that is not going to be conducive with optimizing insulin sensitivity. Other things that are really disruptive for insulin resistance will be you know, uh, sugary soft drinks and juices. These types of things have no fiber in them. They go straight into your system. They create a massive spike. So you need to be removing those things. Use Zevia soda water instead. Drink water. Just reduce down those things completely, guys. I mean, you've got to. If you if this stuff is important to you, you have to. Other things that are really valuable is weight training, resistance training. Obviously, if you're an adult, moving your body, getting eight to ten thousand steps per day, rebounding on a little trampoline, and weight training. Your body partitions glucose and sugar more uh, optimally. There's this concept called partitioning ratios, where when you weight train, you dump glycogen out of your muscle. When your body breaks down these foods into blood glucose, it will shunt that glycogen, that glucose into muscle glycogen storage rather than into fat storage or rather than just having circulating into your bloodstream. So essentially with weight training and fasting and cleaning up your diet and doing all these things like I mentioned, you will improve your insulin sensitivity. And you can apply this obviously with kids if you get them to play sports and you get them to run around. That type of stuff is going to help with their insulin sensitivity. Get them active. They, they cannot be sedentary sitting on a tablet all day. You can't be sedentary sitting on a tablet all day. Get off your butt and move. And the thing that I want you guys to also realize is that very often, if you have gut issues, you will most likely have brain inflammation as well. Think about this. Usually what you'll find is that inflammation isn't just localized to one area of the body. So if you're getting bloating, gas, digestive issues, it usually means that you're getting some type of allergen response or some type of autoimmune response in your body, which will usually be a systemic in inflammatory response everywhere. And so you might be getting inflammation in your joints. You might be getting inflammation in your cardiovascular system. You might be getting inflammation in your brain. Remember, like I was saying, one of the things to realize is that with type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance, if it gets bad enough, guys, People can literally need limbs amputated. Why is this? Because it causes neuropathy, this lack of blood flow and oxygen to certain areas. Did you know that they now believe that Alzheimer's disease could potentially be type 3 diabetes? And what they mean by this is when you get type 2 diabetes and you're getting like, you know, neuropathy in your, your extremities and your limbs and you need your foot amputated or something, that's the that's one symptom of insulin resistance some of the other symptoms uh like i was saying remember you you need those amputations in these things because you lose circulation there's no oxygen and blood going to these areas what's happening in your brain you lose circulation there's no oxygen and blood going to these areas it causes massive cell death and so think about that from a perspective of optimizing your whole body from your gut and beyond to optimize inflammation everywhere to then optimize your brain. So what I definitely say is pay attention to foods that give you gut 
dysbiosis and issues, really optimizing your gut in terms of, you know, making sure that you're consuming a lot of uh, probiotic and prebiotic rich foods. You're consuming predominantly whole foods. You're, you're eliminating antacid consumption. You're keeping, you know, you're, you're trying to avoid antibiotics as much as humanly possible or, you, or you're working on a, a gut rehab protocol once you've had to use these things if you have to use them you're eliminating alcohol from your equation all these things guys processed foods alcohol and acids will all contribute negatively to your gut health which is going to cause inflammation through your body and most likely inflammation in your brain which is then going to present itself as that fogginess that inability to concentrate that inability to focus so realize that Part of it is if you can optimize gut, you optimize all these other things as well. Another thing to, rem to remember and realize outside of insulin resistance and these types of things, there's other factors to this, right? One thing that I think is most people, most adults are over-caffeinated. They're just consuming way too much caffeine. The half-life of caffeine is long enough that it's just going to be circulating through your system for prolonged periods of time. This constant stimu stimulant use is, is revving up your nervous system. It's revving up your thinking. It's revving up your heart rate. It's revving up all your systems in your body. And this, this revving, these rapid thoughts, these rapid, this, this sort of overstimulation of your central nervous system is partly what might feel like ADHD symptoms but you're just over-caffeinating yourself. So it could be as something as obvious as eliminating or reducing those things. So what I say to people is find a transitioning tool. Maybe use like mud water, for example, which is like a mushroom blend. Maybe you do three quarters coffee, one quarter mud water for a week, and then you do half and half, and then you do three quarters mud water, one quarter coffee, and then you wean yourself away from coffee completely. Or maybe use yerba mate tea instead, or matcha. So find something that is not like a triple shot espresso or a pre-workout with 200 milligrams of caffeine in it. You need to get away from that, guys, because I think those stimulants are going to be revving your nervous system even more, and it's going to be exacerbating these symptoms and how you feel. A lot of people, what they'll do is when they use a little bit of caffeine, they'll pair it with theanine. And the theanine can kind of give you this calm, this calm response to help mitigate some of that, that nervous system revving that you'll experience from the caffeine. I'm not saying that's necessarily the way to approach this situation, but I'm just saying that's one thing that you can do. And realize that, like I told you, you know, with our dog, for example, Ducky, when she doesn't exercise, she's like all over the place. She's, she's very, you know, excitable. She doesn't really listen, but as soon as she gets gets to run and she's exercised, her mood and temperament changes instantly. And it's the same with kids. It's the same with adults. You're probably sitting there all day. You're not moving your body. Your body's like a pressure release valve system. I say to people, especially high performers, if you're handing a lot of stress and you feel like you're getting scattered thoughts, you literally need to train and move your body. That's why I'm a big proponent of just doing 10 to 15 minute rapid fire sessions every day. I'd rather see someone do a 10 to 15 minute rapid fire training session that I create than do one or two 60 to 90 minute workouts a week because you're going to prime your body chemically for optimal pressure release valve response, bringing down anxiety, bringing down rapid thinking more so than if you just did one or two, three sessions a week and then you have another three or four days where you're doing nothing. So I definitely think there's something to be said about moving your body. 
beyond that, guys, there's other there's other things. Like I use fasting, obviously. I make sure that my diet is really rich in vitamins and minerals. I do think there's something to be said about a nutrient-poor diet contributing to all kinds of suboptimal chemical responses in the body that is just massively overlooked. Again, most people don't even know what that looks like, but I talk about it in my podcast about mineral density, nutrient rotation, that type of thing. Other things that I use is red light therapy or, or photobiomodulation in terms of stimulating mitochondria in your cells. Think about this. If you are operating suboptimally on a cellular level, it's like you trying to race down the drag strip with your drag car, but your parachute is half ejected. Your foot might be to the floor, but everything feels difficult. Everything feels slow because on a cellular level, you're operating suboptimally. And so red light or photobiomodulation has been very useful in data and science to show this these positive effects. And it can also help with sleep optimization, which again, by the way, if you've been sleep deprived, as, as some of you guys will know, if your parents they've compared a certain amount of sleep deprivation to literally being drunk, full on intoxication. And so that in and of itself is a huge area of focus. You must optimize your sleep by reducing down your blue light exposure at nighttime, making sure that your last meal is three or more hours before you go to bed, making sure that the air temperature in your house is cool enough. Usually if it's too warm, it's going to keep your core body temperature too, too elevated reducing down or eliminating alcohol completely. All of these things, guys, will dramatically help improve your sleep depth and quality. Other things are as simple as breath work, like box breathing. You can literally govern and control your nervous system through your breath. And so for people who are shallow mouth breathers, they're going to be constantly revving their nervous system. And this constant revving of the nervous system is going to present itself in the form of high levels of adrenaline and noradrenaline, which is then going to present itself in terms of rapid thinking, you know, and an inability to focus, the scattered thoughts, all of these things, guys. It is important to understand that you have some tools at your disposal that are free and you can literally implement now. So if you go and search box breathing on YouTube, start implementing that, right? Start that right now today. Other things that I think, you know, I want to share a couple of things. One test, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, you know, when you're talking about all this brain chemistry stuff, how do you know like what to look for? One test that can be a, an okay guide is called the Braverman test. So B-R-A-V-E-R-M-A-N, Braverman test. It's free and it gives you a subjective rating on your neurochemical composition. So are you dopamine deficient? Are you serotonin deficient? Are you acetylcholine dominant? What I usually find for a lot of people who are presenting ADD like symptoms and they have a lot of anxiety or rushing thoughts and scattered thinking is they usually are acetylcholine dominant and what that's kind of like the the, the gas pedal on the vehicle the, of the of the engine of your brain basically like if you're like a vehicle it's like the engine the gas pedal and so it's like having your foot down on that pedal when you're acetylcholine dominant and what you'll find is that because of this constant saturation of social media and 15 second TikTok reels and all these things, you might be dopamine deficient because your body's just so desensitized to actually synthesizing and using dopamine now and you're acetylcholine dominant, which means that you're just constantly revving your system. What you'll find in some people is like, for instance, like you might be GABA deficient. Then you, what you could do is you could go to Google and search healthy plant foods that help with GABA precursors or healthy plant foods that help with dopamine production. Start adding those things in first. 
Or alternatively, if you wanted to experiment with a GABA supplement and, and, you know, stack it with some theanine, you could try that and see how it helps maybe calm down arousal of your nervous system and get you into this sort of flow state. Because if you've ever got into a flow state before, guys, it's usually in a place where you're aroused, but you're not so aroused that you're nervous or, or anxious. And I love getting into those states. I can almost engineer those states at will now given the right environmental factors. And so one part of it is making sure that my diet's really clean, my sleep was good, making sure that I'm dialed in with any chemical precursors that I need to be adding into my diet. One other thing that I add in is I make sure that I get adequate amounts of EPAs or omega-3s. So I do a double serving of ahi flour omega-3s by Clean Machine every day. Um, that and research has been shown to help with dop- the dopaminergic system, which then transfers over to better uh chemical balance within the brain helping these ADHD like symptoms so making sure that you're getting a high quality uh, you know omega-3 again I use the ahi flower omega-3s by clean machine now obviously there's other things to this guys like I found that for me personally using some music in the background while I am working in certain instances whether it be an instrumental I find that music can help engineer flow states So if you have your headphones on, you can put some music on that can literally help you change chemically to get into certain flow states to be more productive and have more clarity of thinking. Now, it doesn't necessarily work and help for everyone, but it's definitely worth trying for you, for example, to see how that works. One example in terms of understanding your modality of learning then this is a big one because especially for children, they're told to sit down, not move. They just have to listen to the teacher speak for an hour. And if they get up and move around, they're labeled ADHD. I think a lot of children just don't operate in that way. Our daughter doesn't. She's very hands-on. She's very physical. She wants to be doing lots of things. And so we do this child-led learning through this sort of Montessori style of learning where we facilitate her learning physically by her being showing curiosity in certain things. Now, as an adult, you need to understand what your modality is. For instance, I just passed my U.S. citizenship test where I had to do this, this, this civics test where I answer a bunch of uh, questions regarding American history. So I wanted to study for that, right? I didn't, want to lo- I didn't want to fail that like I failed on my test when I was in high school. And I went to the official government website and they have a bunch of cue cards you can print out and all these things that you can read, typical standard educational stuff. And I was looking at these things and I just couldn't, I I could not retain anything. It was like a strainer. Every time it went through, it would just disappear. And I was like, I can't remember any of this stuff. This is ridiculous. And then I thought to myself, you know, go back to what you've done in the past. Like you're so well versed with nutrition and all these things. How, what has been your modality of learning for all of these things that you've absorbed so far? Videos and podcasts. I don't really read books. I read, I listen to audio books. I listen to books in video form or watch interviews and lectures And so what I did was I found uh, these random order answering question videos on YouTube and I would play them over and over again. And guys, I got 100%. So what I'm telling, and this is not me to brag. This is me to say I I had the retention of a strainer when I was trying to read these things. As soon as I changed the modality of my learning, it was 100%. And so what you need to understand is that maybe your modality is not integrating well with the conventional system. It's not necessarily that there's something wrong with you and you're broken. Now, obviously, if you're at school or you're studying, you have to kind of fit in that conventional system. But that's when maybe listening to podcasts and trying to absorb the content and the education in a different form could be useful. But guys, there's a lot here. I mean, obviously, we talked about 
you know, I think insulin resistance and unstable blood glucose levels is a big contributing factor. I think systemic inflammation through the body, whether it's gut inflammation, and then that's proliferating brain inflammation via the vagus nerve and optimizing your gut health. I think moving your body like a pressure release valve, looking at like when our kids misbehave, when they're just sitting there all the time, or like my dog, for example, when she exercises, her temperament is a lot more calm. That's a good example of like the pressure release valve, not solving problems in the wrong order, not going from step one to step 10 being the medication, exhausting these other things first, making sure that you're getting adequate sun exposure, that you're getting optimal sleep. Guys, this is a lot of stuff, right? It's a lot of different moving pieces, but that's why, again, it would be ideal for you to get some coaching and some insight from someone like myself who's walked this path, optimized their brain and done all these things. I can remove the guesswork. I can remove the confusion. I can give you the paths forward in a clear, concise manner. But beyond that, I just want you to realize that you have a lot more ability and power in your control than you think. I don't think ADHD is a life sentence. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that most highly creative entrepreneurs probably have ADHD. If you know how to channel it and you know how to nurture it and you work on your diet and you work on all these things that I said, your ability to come up with innovative, creative ideas and see opportunities when most people don't is tremendous. Do not see this as a bad thing. I'm telling you that. Most of the most creative, ambitious uh, people that I know operate and think in very abstract ways. And I would say that a lot of these diagnoses that we see are just misdiagnosis based on lack of information and based on not understanding all these other variables and pillars that I just talked about to you. So you're probably not going to hear this information in many other places because it's, it's science is very compartmentalized, right? They'll just talk about brain scans and the dopaminergic system, but they're not going to necessarily cover nutrition or lifestyle adaptation, or training, or, or, or modalities of learning. And likewise, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, they might just cover nutrition, but they won't cover understanding, you know, the, the neurotransmitted systems in your brain, and how do you optimize those things, and, and all these different areas. There's overlap. They're all interconnected. So guys, look, go out there and recognize that as someone who was formally diagnosed with this and was medicated for a decade and now being medication free for 10 years, when I optimized this, it changed everything for me. I'm way more productive than I've ever been. I have way more mental clarity than I ever have. And it's literally something I truly think that you have the power to adapt and change and teach into yourself. So you have to understand that your nutrition is a huge underlying foundation of all of this. Literally, you are what you eat on a chemical level. So guys, take what I said. It's unconventional, but I truly think that these are some of the driving factors and why we see such high rates of this because most people's diets are terrible. Most people are not moving and most people are doing everything in alignment with having poor attention span and not mastering their own psychology. So take what I said, go out there, implement it, use it, share this, go out there today and start working on that neuroplasticity. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Veg Up podcast and don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes go live. Please leave us a review and share this on social media. Tag me. Let me know what helped you. Let me know what you want to hear more of. Let's get this information out to the world. Help me do that. And be sure to email us over at fraser at evolvingalpha.com for coaching options and mentorship because if you want growth it begins here my friend